Thanks so much for joining us and for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. Our hope as you listen in is that you might encounter Jesus, hear and receive his love, and be encouraged and empowered by his spirit to be and bring life and love to one another and to the other in your world. If you would like to get in touch with us or keep up to date with what's happening in and through the life of Steeple Church, please jump on to our website at steeplechurch.com.au or follow us on the socials via Facebook or Instagram at steeple.church. We're looking forward to meeting you one day soon, but in the meantime, enjoy the message. Bless you, fam. everyone. Oh my gosh, it's my absolute privilege to stand and share with you this morning. I'm not going to lie and say I'm not nervous. I'm totally nervous. I was just doing deep breathing over there while I was sitting down. It's been a little while since I've been on the platform and I haven't done it very frequently. So I'm glad that I'm among friends this morning. Um, So if we haven't met, I'm Mel and I am a mum of two young adult girls Got my beautiful husband over there, been married for nearly 23 years, coming up to 23 years. Um, And during the week, my job, my vocation is as a Christian counsellor and coach. So that's kind of life outside of these four walls. Um, But today, my hope for you is that you will leave feeling lighter. I really would love for this time together to have you being able to put down a burden and leave with greater peace. So that's my hope for you this morning. And I'm going to centre on the story of two of my favourite sisters in Scripture, Mary and Martha. And they're mentioned a few times in the Gospels. And we can learn so much from what they bring us about what it means to be human, what it means to wrestle with our faith. And so I'm going to start in Luke 10, 38 to 42. And this is the Amplified Version. Now, while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Tell her to help me and do her part or play her part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, and it will not be taken away from her. So in John 11, this is the same Mary from John 11 who sat at the feet of Jesus and broke an alabaster jar of perfumed oil over his feet and anointed him and wiped his feet with her hair. She is a beautiful example of living messy, extravagant, emotional, and she just comes as she is and sits at the feet of Jesus. And I think we can learn a lot from the relationship of these two women. They reveal this pendulum of humanity where we're going from perfected performance to perfect love. And we swing between these things. And I don't think anyone is immune to that swinging between perfected performance and perfect love. And this story is close to my heart because I've done that swing way, swinging way, way, way. 
And what I love about what I'm sharing with you this morning is that this feels like a message that has been birthed through my life. I've lived this message. And I've managed to bring all of my mess, my trauma, my story, all of that stuff to the feet of Jesus and have Him turn my ashes into beauty. And isn't that the story of the Gospel? So I'm just going to pray and then we'll do a bit of a deep dive. Jesus, I just thank You for the truth and reflection of Your Word. I pray that this morning it will be holding up a mirror to where we can let go of burdens and where we can pick up peace. And I just thank you, Father God, that you are in this room already, that you have declared your perfect love over us this morning. And we sit here as recipients of that love with gratitude and honour. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so have you ever been in a season where you felt weighed down, but you haven't actually been able to pinpoint what it is that is weighing you down? It doesn't seem like there's really anything that you could go, yeah, that's the reason. Well, the thing is, is that we hold these burdens in our lives that perhaps we're not aware of, and they rob us of peace. And I think we all want more peace. I don't think I'd be alone in the room in saying that. And the Apostle Paul thought this was an important conversation. He actually wrote to the Galatian church. And the Jewish Christians of the time, they had confessed the name of Jesus, but they were going back to the old way. They were going back to rituals of circumcision and all of the things that were required to make them right with God. So they were picking up a burden that they didn't need to carry. And he says in Galatians 5, it was for freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, stand firm. Don't be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Don't pick up again the yoke of slavery. And in verse 5, he says, For we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit by faith, waiting confidently for the hope of righteousness. Now, their customs and rituals that the Jewish people had, there were well over 600 of them. Nearly, well, they were impossible to achieve. But they gave the Jewish people some certainty. There was control because they knew that if they did X, Y, Z, then they would have the righteousness that God promised them. However, this sense of needing to have standards that are exacting and specific and perfect becomes tedious. It's tiring and consuming. But Jesus said, my yoke doesn't come with heavy expectations. My yoke doesn't rob you of joy and peace. So that's what we're going to look at this morning a little bit deeper. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus says, are you tired, worn out? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And this is the message version. I love this line. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So where the Jewish Christians were going back to the old way, that was the way that would create conforming. So they were squeezing from the outside in to shape them into the person that they wanted to be before God. However, Jesus' way transforms from the inside out. There is so much freedom in it. 
And this is echoed in the story of Mary and Martha. Martha came with a posture of performance. And, you know, I, like I said, I relate to both of them. And I've got to tell you, it never started out that way. When I intended to step out, it was always from a place of service and love. But sometimes it can just inch over into performance and that's where our joy is robbed. So for her, perhaps she was feeling dissatisfaction. We can hear that she was feeling resentment. She was worried about many things and those things caused her to overachieve. So she was trying to fix that by overachieving and being focused on the outcome. But the thing about how Martha showed up was that it's probably family expectations, cultural standards and practices, um, religious practices and rituals that shaped who she was becoming or who she was choosing to be. So her statement was, I am who they say I am. And that's how she was living, which robbed her of peace. So I am the first to admit my mistakes. I have done this as a parent. And there was a moment that I was speaking to one of my daughters from this posture of, there's a right way and a wrong way. And you have chosen the wrong way. So here's what's going to happen. And I laid out the guidelines and all of that sort of thing. And then in the middle of it, right in the middle, I heard God say, she can't see my heart in this. So my motive was love but my delivery was something completely different. And I was missing a reflection of God's heart in the way that I parented. That moment changed my life because it wasn't only an invitation to parent differently for my daughter's sake. It was that I would become more free. I would have more peace in letting go of these standards and expectations and inviting grace and perfect love. Mary, she experienced displays, she displays this posture of perfect love. In terms of experiencing perfect love, she came and sat at the feet of perfect love and she brought her mess. She brought everything she was, even though the people around her would be pointing their finger and going, oh my gosh, look at that woman. What is she doing? How dare she? She's stepping outside of our boxes, people. But Jesus looks at her and says, what you have chosen is better. And, and she chose to own the statement, I am who he says I am. Even if people around me don't understand, even if I get rejected, I am who he says I am. So this has been the human condition, this fluctuation since humans existed. And it kind of got me wondering about the Galatian church who returned to the old way. Why was it? If they had the grace of Jesus, why? Why go back to the rituals and the standards and the expectations and all of those things, all of the measuring and exactness? I think they were living from what if? What if I get it wrong? What if I make a mistake? What if I misinterpret this text? What if I'm rejected? And their what ifs left this big gaping hole that they needed to fill with achievement. So they stepped in the gap and they're like, okay, well, I better overachieve. I better tick the boxes. I better dot my I's and cross my T's so that I can know that I'm safe. I'm good. I'm enough. And that's not the way of the gospel. If they chose even if, I wonder how that would change. Even if I mess up, 
the grace of God is here. Even if I'm rejected, I have a family of God and I'm connected to my Father. Even if is a very powerful way to frame and look at our lives. The thing about this yoke of slavery and the, the, the yoke that Jesus speaks of, which is light, is that in terms of a yoke of slavery, we can actually create our own. So if we don't just simply apply it just to religious duty, but we look at our lives and we even look at Mary, uh, Martha, she was creating her own yoke. She was buckling under the burden of all the shoulds and all the expectations. I have a feeling because I've been there that she was a perfectionist. And that is a heavy yoke to bear. And it's one that robs of freedom. As a perfectionist, you don't step out and take risks. You don't risk being misunderstood. Mary risked all those things. So I have three steps for you and I'm really going to try to get through them all. Step one to finding more peace is to acknowledge. Step one is to acknowledge. Acknowledge your humanity. You are human. You have imperfections, whether you want to notice them or not. Acknowledge them. You're not a robot. You can't get things right 100% of the time. And by the way, even robots get it wrong. It's okay to be imperfect. And actually, God expects you to be imperfect. That is why we have grace. So I don't know if maybe you're thinking, oh Mel, I know that I'm human. Of course I'm imperfect. But isn't there a difference between knowing it with our head and actually living that way? Living in acceptance of our imperfections. So I want to ask you, how much grace do you show yourself? How much grace do you show others? What about when you make a mistake? Can you let it go or does your brain just simply go back and back and back trying to resolve it? Do you have internal standards that are 120% and until you reach those standards, there's just no peace? I want to suggest to you that perhaps peace is being found in the wrong things, in things that can't bring peace. So Jesus offers us this yoke that's easy because he knew we would need grace. And I, I'm, I'm an asker of questions. So whenever I'm up here, I'm going to ask lots of questions. Anyone who knows me well knows this about me. <laughs> what does performance rely on? Or who does performance rely on? Me. It relies on us. And who does grace rely on? It relies on Jesus. There's this beautiful quote by writer KJ Ramsey. She writes... Be tender towards the truth of your imperfections. They are the grooves in which grace can gather. Grace allows us to learn from our mistakes in ways that perfection never could teach us. We get to look back in hindsight and go, oh, I missed the mark a little bit there. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Here's how I'm going to course correct next time. So to experience and deeply sit in at the feet of perfect love, at the feet of Jesus and be able to say, I am who he says I am, we must let go of the fear of judgment. And that's not only the judgment of God, it's the judgment against ourselves, the judgment that of others looking onto our lives. Mary did that so well. In 1 John 4, we read, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. 
God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And in verse 18, it goes on to say, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I wonder what Mary, what Mark, two M's, what Martha was fearing. Mary knew what it meant to be anchored to grace. So sitting at the feet and learning from perfect love himself, she chose what is better. She knew she couldn't get what she needed, validation, value, love from those who expected stuff of her, not in the way she truly needed to heal from within and transform from within. And I wish I could say that it was easy to move from perfected performance to perfect love. But it is a pendulum and we'll keep swinging. But when we have this awareness, we're able to make decisions rather than just let life happen to us. So in order to move from the identity of perfected love to perfect love, the inner critic, our standards and expectations need to learn a new language, language of grace and compassion and love and mercy and humility. But there's a cost, isn't there always? Well, except for the love of Jesus. There's a cost. So when we choose grace and perfect love, there's stuff we have to put down. If your hands are filled with standards and expectations and your fist is tied on them, in means of finding certainty and control, how can you accept perfect love? So we must put stuff down. Mary chose to put down her reputation. As a woman in that time, she put down her reputation in the eyes of those around us. She put down expectations. She put down her role as a woman. She put down control. Who knew where those decisions would lead? And all of those things, reputation, status, roles, all of the things that Martha seemed to be concerned about. And I know this because she, uh, she kind of brought it out into the open. Like, Jesus, can you notice that this is happening? But in, with Mary's putting down of things, she picked up peace. She picked up value. She picked up belonging. And you know what? Your body actually lets you know when you're out of alignment with this perfect love. So step two is to allow. Step one is to acknowledge your imperfection. Step two is to allow Holy Spirit to reveal where you are carrying a burden or wearing a yoke of slavery that you're not designed for. Allow God to nudge you, just like he did in that moment where I had a conversation with my daughter. Create moments to allow Holy Spirit to reveal the burden that you're carrying. Right now, I'm just going to pause And I just want you to invite Holy Spirit right now in this moment, reveal to me, is there a burden I'm carrying that I need to put down, a standard I'm trying to meet, a role I'm trying to play? See, the thing with these steps is, it's not just enough to know God loves us. You have to experience it and live from 
that place of perfect love and grace. It starts with the way we think. It starts with what we meditate on, but it ends with how we respond to what we think and what we meditate on. So if I make a mistake, and I know God loves me, which I do, but if I make a mistake and then I spend the next 24 hours berating myself, the inner critic is having a field day, am I really living from perfect love? Am I allowing the grace of God to cover my imperfections, regardless if they're, if they're religious imperfections? I would say no. So our mind becomes more peaceful when we connect to this perfect love. So step three is to apply and accept perfect love. And 1 Corinthians 13, which is the one everyone knows as the wedding verse, we've heard it so many times, but it is beautiful. But this reflects the mindset of perfect love. And what I want, I will go on to read it soon, but what I want to remind you of today is that this is not another laundry list of to-do It is beautiful, it is appropriate to love this way. But if we don't first accept and allow God's perfect love to reside in the grooves of our imperfections, how can we love this way? So we're going to let go of the heavy yoke of shoulds and we're going to pick up perfect love. It belongs to you. His perfect love belongs to you. He gave it to you. What if you were to live by the same standard of perfect love that God has for you? Who are we to create a different standard of love for ourselves than He gives us? So let's look at the Scripture with a new new lens. So 1 John 4 says God is love and 1 Corinthians says love is. So I'm going to smush those together and we're going to see the characteristics of God's love. So I'm going to replace the word love with the word God in 1 Corinthians. God is patient. He is kind and thoughtful. He's not jealous or envious. God doesn't brag. He's not proud or arrogant. God is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He's not easily provoked. He's not easily angered. I think a lot of us need to hear that one. He doesn't take into account a wrong endured. He doesn't rejoice at injustice, but he rejoices when the truth wins out. God's love bears all things, regardless of what comes. He believes all things, looking for the best in each one. He hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, and he endures all things without weakening. And that, again, was the Amplified Version. This is the freeing love of God, filled with grace, mercy and compassion. God's love is active in our imperfections. God's love is active when we have gaps and we acknowledge our gaps. How good would it be to let go of striving completely? So I'm going to take you through an exercise You don't have to talk to anyone, it's okay. Um, Where we're going to look at this passage and think about the characteristics of God's love, that is patience. But like I said before, we can't just have the knowledge of God's patience in our head. We have to know it. We have to know it and experience it with our body. 
as well. There's a reason why we have a heart and a head. So if you feel comfortable too, I'd love to invite you to close your eyes. And I just want you to remember a time where you experienced someone else's patience or you were patient for someone else. And really bring it to mind, really visualise yourself there and remember what it feels like to experience patience. I want you to notice that patience is unhurried. Patience accepts right where you're at in the moment. It is gracious and it chooses to see the best in the other person. Patience is present with you. It un, it's undemanding of results and outcomes. Patience knows you are becoming and you're growing at your own pace. This is God's patience towards you. So go ahead and open your eyes. So I wonder if next time you feel like you're striving and you're stepping into perfected performance and away from perfect love. If you could think of this beautiful lens of God's character of love towards you and apply it, what do you need of God's love in this moment to shape your experience? That thing that landed in your spirit before that was an invitation to put something down, how would that change with God's patience or character or love? There is no imperfection that can win out in the light of God's perfect love. So put down the yokes that you've created for yourself. Step fully into the grace of God's perfect love. He rejoices like a parent when we offer our children something and they embrace it wholeheartedly. How much joy comes from that? That is our Father God. It was for this freedom that Christ set us free. Keep company with him and you'll learn to live freely and lightly and keep hold of the yoke that is light, living in the unforced rhythms of grace. Amen. I'm just going to pray and then we'll finish up. Father God, I thank you for your perfect love. I thank you for your grace that finds its way into the grooves of our imperfections, our missteps, our mistakes. You are truly a God who just has extravagant love towards us. And I pray that from today, we will take these words and integrate them into our lives. It wouldn't just be a knowing, it would be a being. We would live it out, that we would live in step with your unforced rhythms of grace. And we would hold your standard of living above our own human eye standard. I just thank you for your presence here this morning, for every prayer that has been spoken, every word that, of worship that has been sung, every person that has been served in some way. And I just pray that as we go throughout the week, you would be glorified through our imperfections. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. We hope you were encouraged as you listened in. 
As I said at the top of the podcast, we loved having and hosting you in this way, but we'd love to hear from you and pray for you, so please drop us a line via our website, or better yet, if you're local to Melbourne, drop in on one of our Sunday gatherings, 10am every Sunday in the Hall of St. Barnabas Anglican Church at 86 Bourne Road, Bourne. Peace and love, friends. Have a great week.